we said. The Press Box. Come right in. The Press Box is open and glad to have you aboard for what is just a slice of what we offer up each and every day on the Press Box radio show. Mike Grace for my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers. If you want to find us, you can do so online, pressboxradio.com. There you can check the affiliates page and find the great radio stations around the state of Alabama that carry us each and every weekday. Also on the episodes page, you can hear our show on demand hour by hour or simply press the listen button to hear the Press Box anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Again, this Press Box podcast, just a slice of what you hear each and every day. And today, Auburn football was a big, big topic. We have seen head coach Brian Harson change his quarterbacks, at least in the second half of the Georgia State game. And it worked out well as T.J. Finley led the Tigers to a come-from-behind win. Now they're headed to LSU, where T.J. Finley used to play. So is Finley going to start? Is Bo Nixon back to being the starter? On top of that, Brian Harson has a brand-new wide receivers coach as well after letting Cornelius Williams go over the weekend. Lots of news going on with the Auburn Tigers these days. Nathan King, who covers Auburn for 247 Sports and AuburnUndercover.com, joined us, and we welcome Nathan in with a simple question. It was a weird Saturday at Jordan-Hare. Yeah, it's so weird. And first of all, appreciate you guys having me. Um, it's so strange how similar that game felt to the 2015 uh, Jacksonville State game, where it just kind of was like a slow, settling feeling to all the people in the stadium. You know, the, the first quarter didn't go well, and then you're trailing at halftime, and the, the third quarter's going on, they add another touchdown, and everyone starts realizing, um, oh, crap, they're going to lose this game. And, you know, people just kind of like – people just kind of assume Auburn's going to get back in it. You know, they assume you know, they got the better talent, you know, they're, that they're going to make it happen. Um, and honestly, they're probably not wrong for thinking that because that's, ex- that's exactly what they did. You know, they just make it work. Um, it was the same feeling as that JSU game. I remember being at that JSU game and thinking – there's no way Auburn loses this game. Like, they're going to pull something out of their hat. I believe it was Marcus Davis who made a late touchdown catch in that game to send it to overtime. And, of course, Shedrick Jackson makes a late touchdown catch in this game um, to give Auburn the win. And the score, I think you look – I think AP poll voters, which I don't I don't knock them for them. You know, I don't knock them for this at all. It's difficult to keep track of every single game. But they probably looked at a 10-point win and thought, oh, Georgia State played pretty well, but Auburn was able to pull away. Um, you know, Auburn trailed for like 56 minutes of this game. And the only reason it was a 10 point win is because Smoke Monday got a pick six at the, you know, with like 28 seconds left. So, you know, there's something to be said, though. I will say, you know, I, I'm not freaking out about this one as much. I am, you know, more concerned about the individual issues, such as quarterback and receiver that we're going to get into. I'm really not that concerned about the defense. But I mean, every coach, my, my coworker Philip Marshall put it this way every coach has one of these games, and they might have a couple of these games, even successful coaches. So I really don't think it's an indictment on Brian Harson or anything like that or this team's preparedness. Um, sometimes you just overlook an opponent, and Harson admitted that might have been the case. It's a letdown look-ahead spot. You're coming off a bad, you know, a disappointing loss to Penn State, and then you're looking ahead to the SEC opener. So really not too concerned about the result as much as I am kind of the individual concerns. Hey, Nathan, it's Chris Stewart. And, and I was to your point, I was reminded people yesterday, uh, Gene Stallings went 0-3 to start his career in Tuscaloosa. So – uh, you know, maybe pump the brakes on that, but I, and I understand by nature of where I work and, and, and who I work for that anything I say, as it relates to Auburn is going to be listened to or looked at through a different filter, but I've got a, enough, I got enough friends and enough respect for people at Auburn. I try to be fair in, in assessment 
of, of different things. And in talking to very close friends that are Auburn fans, I'm just talking about people that aren't involved in athletics broadcast, but are just fans. I, I get a, a real sense of hesitation about buying in completely with Brian Harson, And I don't think it has anything to do with him. I think it's a fear of falling in love and getting burned again. Am I anywhere close on, on kind of that feel and in that attitude from Auburn? Yeah, people for as sure. Whole? No, you, no, you're, you're pretty close. Um, I'd say that's a pretty good assessment. I think, you know, there's just been, it's been an eventful off season, right? An eventful beginning of the season for Brian Harson. Um, you know, everything's just so under the microscope at Auburn. Um, that's what makes it such a difficult job. I think fans have an understanding of what the expectations are at Auburn and honestly what the reality is. The reality is that if you look at Auburn's history dating back to like the 1950s, they can compete for a conference championship every few years. Like it's been very rare in their history. They haven't done done it every few years. And we've seen, we saw that under Gus Malzahn. Really, you look at the eight years of Malzahn and it was like a mirror image. It was just kind of a, you know, a, a broader, a broader view of like Auburn's history. You know, they, they compete for a national title once every decade or so. They go to the conference championship, you know, twice every eight, nine years or something like that. So, you know, people are, are, are entitled to have high expectations, but really just everything was under the microscope with Harson. I think because of pe- people knew that the floor was raised under Gus Malzahn, that's a big opinion I have. Um, I think Auburn now is a team that if you don't go eight and four every year, I know that doesn't sound like a great record, but that's a pretty good record in the SEC. If you don't go eight and four every year, it's viewed as a disappointment. And Gus Malzahn was the reason for that because he got that team consistently there. So, of course, when Harson made his hires, some of them were ridiculed, um, you know, some off the field stuff. I know there was, you know, being around, you know, elephant in the room, you know, there was stuff about the vaccine and whatnot with Harson. And you know, it was just a difficult, uh, you know, kind of a, a strange offseason for any head coach. But and then you talk about this decision to fire the receivers coach. Um four games into the season. I, I think there's probably more question marks about that from fans than the quarterback change. People wanted the quarterback change. People thought, you know, Bonick should have been benched many times under Gus Malzahn in his previous you know, 27, whatever starts. And it never happened. So um, if there's anything the past 48 hours tell us about Brian Harson, it's that he's not Gus Malzahn. He is going to make very different choices. Um, and he's going to make choices that, that, that he feels are, are important and, and are going to make the team win. So, uh, Auburn fans are just going to have to get used to that. But like I said, you know, the, the biggest thing right now is just people kind of in the middle about some of his decisions. But like you said, coaching tenures start out certain ways. And look, Auburn's three and one and they're ranked right now. So yeah, there's a long way to go and we'll just have to see how the season plays out. Uh, Nathan Keith joining us covering Auburn. Uh, it's J.D. down in Mobile. And there was some much hard criticism of the receiving core and needing more output from the coaching staff. Uh, Cornelius Williams, the assistant coach, uh, they cut ties with him. There were two starting wide receiver changes for Auburn in the Georgia State game. Kind of looking for your your opinion, was this more like a boiling point where there was something coming that was more than just what happened Saturday with the wide receivers? Because repeatedly receivers were being overthrown in that game. I'm like, these guys aren't eight feet tall. Uh, And it just seemed kind of odd that there had to be more to it. Yeah, um, I mean, I think there's definitely more to it than just this game. Um, if I can, you know, plug real quick, I've got a story up on our site um, for Auburn Undercover and 24-7 subscribers. Um, I charted every snap from the wide receivers in that Georgia State game and looked at what they did and didn't do well um, and who their best receiver is right now in the season, and it's, it's definitely Kobe Hudson right now. But let me just give you some numbers here. 
Um, in that Penn State game, Auburn's two best receivers going into that game, who were Demetrius Robertson and Shedrick Jackson, caught less than 50% of the passes thrown their way. And as a group since the Penn State game, so these past two games, the entire receiving core has caught less than 50% of the passes thrown their way. And so I keep going back to something Brian Harson said after the game, which was that he tried everything. Talking about the quarterback change, obviously everybody, you know, nobody knew about what the receiver situation in terms of the coaching was going to look like post game. So everyone was asking about the quarterbacks. You know, why did you end up talk us through the decision of benching Bo Nix? And he basically, I mean, he boiled it down pretty simply. He said, "Look, guys, I tried everything else. I tried changing running backs. I don't know if y'all noticed, Tank Bigsby was barely on the field on that touchdown drive. Um, and he's one of the most talented players in the country. Sometimes it's just not your game. And Jarquez Hunter was better than he was on Saturday. And so Jarquez Hunter played on that last drive." Um, they played more receivers than they have all season long. They play eight or nine different guys in the receiving core. The, the the rotation had not been that deep all season, even in garbage time against teams like Akron and Alabama State. So Harson just said, you know, look, I tried everything. I tried changing out the receivers. I tried, you know, changing up the offense a little bit, and nothing was working. And so then you get down to the last straw, which is saying, all right, let's put in T.J. Finley. Um, let's get a little bit of a spark here. Even if you don't think he's going to be better than Bo Nix, which I don't think he did a lot of things better. I just think you needed a change. You needed some sort of momentum switch. But to answer your question, kind of a got kind of, I kind of got off on a tangent there, but really yeah, to answer good. your question, yes, there there were some issues in the past couple games. And look, Brian Harson is going to maintain that this is all football related and it's all performance related, um, and we've got to go with his word on that. But you know, the receivers definitely had their issues. I think you know to play devil's advocate, you know, people will say, well, you lost your top three players to the NFL and you only returned twenty three catches from last season and you brought in a guy from Georgia who was their fifth or sixth best receiver. And now he's your second or third best receiver. So um, they, you know, everybody knew they were going to take their lumps and we knew they had some issues. I just don't think we, we realized that the problems that they had were, were this extensive and this dire. Nathan King, I'm going to assume, obviously you were in the stadium for that game Saturday. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. The, so you were charting these. I wanted to ask um, the last drive on the reviewed catch or no catch, uh, was the entire – because I'm looking at TV, so they're, they're showing some crowd uh-huh. reaction. They're showing some – was the crowd pretty much already sold on the fact when it was when it was on the Jumbotron at Jordan-Hare that, oh, my gosh, this is not going to stand? And then were the, was everybody in there as surprised as some of the TV guys and, and the Twitter universe that that was upheld as a catch? Or was everybody thinking, oh, this is not good? I've never seen anything – yeah, I've never seen anything like it. Like the entire stadium had come to the conclusion – like just you saw the reaction they, they did on the jumbotron and like for for reference in the box like we can't see the video board but they've got little tvs that show the video board so we're watching it at the same time um everyone in the stadium all the coaching like the entire body language of the stadium they were like ah well you can see he didn't uh, didn't secure it there it, it touched the ground first <laughs> and uh sovereign's gonna have to go back to the drawing board here and I, that was a was that a third it wasn't down? fourth down was that, yeah no, they, they would have they could have come back down. and got but it either it way just... yeah people had people had come to that conclusion um, and so we none of I feel like the stadium was even really paying attention to the call. Like the ref went out there and people were just kind of past it. And he was like, uh, the call on the field stands. And everyone was just like, what in the world? Um, I guess the logic. We'll there, and I think some officials have come out on, on TV and whatnot um, saying that it was the wrong call. I mean, that's just a duh. Of course it is. But I think their um, their logic there was there wasn't enough to overturn it. Because you know that that's that was the language there was the, that the call stands, not that the call was you yeah. know, upheld. I guess is the right word. So there wasn't yeah. enough to overturn it. But um, 
shoot, I got to think in like 99 out of 100 other games, that's enough to overturn it. But uh, Auburn fans, Auburn fans aren't complaining too much. So, well, uh, I think the most surprising part and, and shocking was when the official came back to uh, to the microphone. He goes and he starts it off by saying, "Y'all ain't gonna believe this," but it did said. <laughs> It's it's not you know that was that's what got everybody's attention. Um, tell me uh, how you think this is going to go in the locker room if Bo Nix is not the starting quarterback. Well, let me here's so here's some important context um, on both of these guys. This is one of the more interesting quarterback situations um, that I've seen in college football in a while, and it doesn't look like that on the surface. But and this is not me trying to just like bolster both these guys and, and sunshine pump, but um, both these guys are loved by their teammates for different reasons. Bo Nix um, has had his ups and downs. Somebody posted like a, a QBR chart of his every single game, um, and it literally looks like a roller coaster since he started his career. But um, the one thing you can say about Bo Nix um, is that both on the field and off the field, the team his his team loves him. Um, he is one of the best characters and one of the best leaders Auburn has had at quarterback in a long time. Um, he's a really, really good kid. Um, and he's respected incredibly by his teammates and his coaches. I mean, just look what he did last week. He turned a, he turned a joke that people, you know, on Auburn Twitter have been using all season. He turned a joke. He laughed along with it and he made it into a fundraiser using NIL where none of the money goes to him. Um, and it was supporting two great causes. And so, um, that's just kind of the guy that he is. So, his teammates are backing him in that way at the same time. I don't know if y'all watched the game, but it was very clear in the stadium when TJ Finley put his helmet on and walked out on their field onto the field. Um, the sideline was going crazy. They were going crazy. And that shows how much they like yeah. this guy and maybe how much the team thought, you know, this guy should be the one who's, uh, who's the quarterback right now, at least in this situation. I think really they were just happy for him to get a shot. I think everybody in that stadium knew that Finley was going to go in. Something just wasn't working for Bo that game. Um, now, granted, his receivers were, were god-awful, um, and his offensive line had their worst game of the season. But you could just tell something wasn't clicking. Bo has had much better performances than that with a worse off- – this offensive line's better than last year's, for sure, much improved. And he had better games than that um, with a worse offensive line. So yeah. there's something to be said for when, when stuff just isn't working out for a quarterback. Plus, Bo had the wind knocked out of him. That's something he talked about yesterday in a, in a radio interview was um, part of it was that, you know, he just he, they they saw him get the wind knocked out of him and kind of struggle and hold on to his shoulder a little bit on the sideline. And Brian Harson came over to him and said, look, man, like we're just going to put in TJ. We're, we're going to try to get a spark here in terms of the locker room. So, so kind of coming back to your question, I really don't think it's going to be that big of a deal either way that they go because of everything I said. Um, everybody loves Bo and, and he is incredibly supported. By his teammates. I remember before the Penn State game, there were like three or four different tweets from his teammates saying, like, you know, it was like a kind of a chain thing. They said, you know, Bo Nix is our quarterback. Don't forget that. You know, they, they ride with him no matter what. But at the same time, you've got this new guy, TJ Finley, who's done everything right. He has been loved by his teammates. He's a great, great kid. Um, and they want to see him get his shot, too. So, really, I just think this is one of the rare quarterback situations. Maybe like, you know, Alabama had with Tua and Jalen. Where both guys are loved, both guys are supported a lot by their teammates, and whoever gets their shot, um, I really don't think it's gonna it's gonna affect much of the team just because of everything I just talked about. Nathan, before we let you go, I'm I'm just curious your thoughts on this this matchup Saturday because you got uh, we you've got all the things we've discussed with Auburn, and dear Lord, we don't have a long enough show to discuss all the stuff going on in Baton Rouge. 
uh, really important game for them to beat somebody that is perceived to have a pulse. Yeah, I guess I guess that's been the case, right? Um, I mean, Mississippi State, you never know what you're going to get with them, and I know they kind of came back late in that game. But, yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you know, I haven't I – haven't, you know, dived in too deeply to my to my research and looking and watching LSU this week, but um, seems like they're bouncing back in, in the right way. I know that that loss at, at UCLA was tough to tough to stomach, and then they didn't play that well against McNeese State. But I understand that past couple games, you know, Max Johnson is coming on really well, and, and they're figuring things out a little better. Um, this is just going to be a really tough spot for Auburn, and I think in a vacuum, you know, ne- neutral site, whatever you want to call it, on paper. Um, Auburn's probably a, a better team than LSU, maybe by a, maybe by a, a significant margin, um, just because of the issues we've seen at LSU. That's something I would have said after the Penn State game. Now, after what we saw at Georgia State, I mean, the issues have just kind of piled up for Auburn over the mm. past couple of weeks. Yeah. You, you combine that with a cursed stadium, Auburn hasn't won there in 22 years. Um, I I just don't know about Auburn's chances in this game. I, it, it'd be incredible if they came out. Um, and won this game, it would be excellent bounce back for them. But you talk about, you know, both quarterbacks are getting first team reps this week. You're talking about splitting those guys. Um, and then you're talking about now, not a distraction. Like I said, I don't, I don't think there's a big uh, locker room upheaval or anything like that about the the change at wide receivers coach. But anytime something like that happens, like Bo Nick said it yesterday, um, the team was shocked. I mean, the team was really surprised that he made that choice. But, um, you know, they said, you know, Brian Harson, you know, he's, he's our coach and we got to support whatever he does. So, it's just been an intriguing past week or so for Auburn. Really, this program got a lot more interesting over the last 72 hours than it was before that. So lots for Auburn to deal with. You're going on the road. You're playing in a hostile environment again against a team that's playing its first big night game of the season. You know, the LSU's going to be really fired up for that one. Um, we know there's some you know, some voodoo magic in that stadium late at night. Um, I just think it's a really difficult spot for Auburn. But at the same time, again, to, to, to spin it in a positive way, if Auburn gets that win, that's that's excellent for them moving forward in SEC play to get some momentum, especially since Georgia comes to town the next week. It will be a huge matchup for Brian Harson and his Auburn Tigers this weekend at LSU. We'll talk more about it throughout the week. A reminder now, thanks to Nathan King of 247 Sports. You can find his work online, auburnundercover.com. Also, the uh, Auburn Undercover podcast is available as well, wherever you find your favorite podcast. So you can find us that same place. Uh, search Apple or Google plus iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you find your favorite podcast. And if you tell a friend, that would be fantastic. They can find us simply by searching Press Box Radio 1. That's Press Box Radio and the number one to find the Press Box podcast. And again, we're going to talk a bunch of Auburn, LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, and much all this week inside the Press Box. For details, find us online at PressBoxRadio.com. Until next time, for Chris Stewart, for J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Gray saying thanks for joining us inside the Press Box.